Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm Dan Cottrell and I am delighted to welcome to the podcast from New Zealand, Kyla Colwyn, and from Japan, Grant Keenan. So welcome to the podcast, both of you. Kia ora, Dan. Good to see you. G'day, Dan. Great to see you, mate. Thank you for having us. That's uh, my pleasure. Now, they are connected through something called the Crusaders Coaching Leadership Programme, which some of you may have seen being advertised or talked about on the internet. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but talk quite a lot around some of the ideas that come out through leadership and through the Crusaders. I'm going to start by asking both of you to introduce yourselves. Kyla, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do please sure so i'm kyla colbin thanks so much for having us it's really great to be here uh and i have the great privilege <coughs> of having a company called boma and boma is the official and exclusive leadership training partner of the crusaders so we've partnered with the crusaders to not only help them continue to elevate their already highly elevated leadership and also work with them to scale that leadership to other rugby clubs around the world and see what we can do to elevate the game for everybody. So it's great to be here. Great. Grant? Yes, thanks, Dan. Yeah, my name's Grant Keenan, and I manage the Crusaders International Academy. And that's a unit that is responsible for player and coach development, primarily from outside of New Zealand, anywhere from around the world. And we offer playing and coaching opportunities here at the Crusaders during our winter season. So during the period of sort of February through to July. I'm currently, as Dan said, I'm up in Japan at the moment. We have a Japanese partner, Hino Red Dolphins, which is a team based in Tokyo. So I'm looking after their high performance here and trying to implant some of the Crusader knowledge into the Hino Red Dolphins. Okay, so it's very exciting, international flavour to the Crusaders already. Now, having a Crusader leadership programme sounds very exciting. Would you think that the Crusaders, the bigwigs, might be a bit scared if you're sharing all the secrets, given that they've been successful? I guess if I look at the on-field stuff, Dan, which is what I'm pretty close to, you know, we have coaches that come in and out. We have players that come in and out. We don't feel that's an issue at all because players and coaches can take our ideas, can take our rugby IQ, and they can take it to other environments. However, we've got something pretty special that's embedded here, and it's been embedded here for 26 years. And, and I know Kyle is going to just mention that soon, just around how important this leadership program is, but just how open we are to sharing because... If we're sharing, then we as people and organisation have to evolve and get better. And I think that's been the secret for the Crusaders. Kyle, what do you want to add to that? 
Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Look, when I first started getting involved with the Crusaders, I, I'm sure your listeners are well familiar with the club, but I don't know if they're familiar with the entire 26 year backstory. Crusaders, when Super Rugby first started in 1996, they were an please forgive me, Grant, but they were a bit of a disaster. I lost every game except for two bottom of the table. Do we even come back next season? What are we even doing here? And, and they brought in Wayne Smith, a legendary coach. And Smithy said, look, we're going to focus on values here, but specifically we're going to focus on belonging. We can't turn this around by getting bigger, stronger, faster players. Everybody has big, frost, strong players. We need something different. And really they went all in on belonging. And when I say all in, not just, oh, they put it on posters on the wall, like everybody does, right? Like they built systems, they built rituals, they built it into the DNA. They built it into the way that they operate, the way they recruit, the way that they cultivate, grow new players. They built it into the whole organization. It's not just about players on field. It's, it's the coaches, but it's also everybody from the CEO to the cleaners. Like it's just right throughout. And it's so embedded. You see it everywhere you guys, you walk through the headquarters office, you see it everywhere you go. And the, this thing of being able to go, oh, if we just tell other people to focus on belonging, all of a sudden people are going to overtake us. I think it's a little naive to think that you could overcome a 20, 26 year investment in building that kind of culture. But to Grant's point, one of the things that I think also sets the Crusaders apart is that They've been so successful, they know that in order to continue to be successful, they have to keep pushing themselves. And they also know that actually we all win when we elevate the game for everybody. And so being able to bring others along to go, actually, how can you build a really high performing culture for your organization? That's not threatening to the team. That's better for the team. It's better when we have a lot of high performing organizations, better for everyone, better for the sport overall and better for all of us. When you say elevate the game, that's, I want to understand what that looks like for a team. What do, does that mean that they play better? Do they smile more when they play? Do they get more people through the turnstiles? What does elevate the game mean to organizations and possibly just to the players themselves? I can share what it means to me, but I would say this is an area where Grant would probably have a better view than I do. I want to be clear. I am not an expert in rugby by any stretch. I think your listeners should be well aware of that <laughs> as they're listening to this podcast. So for me, when I think about elevating the game, what I think about is ensuring that we are generating high performance outcomes and high health cultures. So what I mean by that is we wanna see teams that are winning teams, that are successful teams. We wanna see players able to thrive and operate at their very best in a context where they are building health and well-being, where they feel a sense of belonging, where they get real joy from the work that they do. And in some instances, people can have an idea that those two ideas are at odds with each other. That in order for us to be super high performing, we have to be super serious and we can't talk about feelings and we have to, there's all sorts of stuff that's these kind of myths that we carry around the way that we operate that there's a myth that we have a, a, a dichotomy or a conflict in between being really high performing and really thriving physically, emotionally, mentally. And really what we want, when I say elevate the game, what I want is both of those things. I want teams and players to, to win and to thrive mentally, physically, emotionally. So can I just jump in and 
ask about winning. You want to be high performance, you want to win. Now, if all 12 teams in a league are high performance and they've all elevated themselves, can the 12th place team be a high performance team? It strikes me as very hard for you to sit there as the 12th team and say we've had a successful season because you've done everything that you have in your power, but you still come last. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. One of the things that, that I've talked about with Razor a little bit is this idea that success is a terrible okay, teacher. Could you just tell the listeners, for the listeners who don't know, Razor is the yeah, nickname. Sorry. For, that's right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Crusaders head coach, Scott Robertson is also known as Razor. Yeah. And, and having been working on this program, I've had the chance to really just listen to some of his wisdom and insights uh, over the past wee while, which has been a fantastic experience for me and something I really can't wait to share with the participants on our program. And one of the things that we've talked about a little bit is this idea that success is really just not a great teacher. That in fact, we learn the most when kind of the chips are down, because when we're successful, we just go, oh, we must just be awesome. And we don't have to think as hard about what we didn't do quite as well. The thing about being a high-performing team and winning, this is a sport, right? There is a winner. There is a loser. There's no question there. You can't have 12 teams in a league and everyone be winning. That's obviously impossible. But you will have various degrees to which the coaches have brought those teams together to operate for each other. You'll have varying degrees to which the coaches have been able to invest in the team's ability to have every single person on the squad show up in exactly the spot they need to show up and deliver on their job exactly as they need to deliver. You will have varying degrees. There's a, an idea that was put forward by the management guru, Roger Martin, who talks about the can't-won't barrier, things that people either can't do or won't do. People, we can talk about what the Crusaders do to build culture all day long. That doesn't mean that every single team is going to adopt it. They got to go away and implement it. And that stuff is hard. And every coach is going to have to make choices about what they prioritize. And sometimes when the chips get down, we what we end up doing is we prioritize more kind of tactical play as opposed to prioritizing how are we showing up together as human beings. And the people are going to make choices. And could be you make all fantastic choices and someone else's different choices beat you on the day. That's definitely going to happen. But I think overall, if we got 12 teams, like there's always going to be a winner and a loser, but let's say everyone, every single team has an improved culture. That to me would be an absolute win from this program. Grant, I'm sure you've got some thoughts here. Yeah, I think to go back to the question you asked, Dan, around about elevating the game and taking on what Kyla said as well. I looked at the Super Rugby final this year, which the Crusaders played in, and the various WhatsApp groups that I'm part of, where we've had our Zoom coaching programs over the last couple of years. We've got coaches from all over the world, and we're all keeping in contact. And I mentioned to each of the groups is from a coach, please watch that game because there's some real coaching lessons out of that final. And what I mean by that, Dan, is that game, a final is a final. There's no other, there's not another game. So people say, oh, we've got another, you haven't got another game. It's a final. It's a different type of game. Tactically, you have to play the game differently. And I just feel that the Crusaders on that particular performance was a real, a real coaching wow, because it was all about territory and position how important in a game is territory and position 
How important is, as Kyla said, as players understanding their role, ensuring that they perform their role to the best they can? How can we suffocate the opposition's threats? How can we suffocate their game plans? A final is a different game of rugby. And we as coaches have to understand that. And it was amazing that all the coaches on within those WhatsApp groups all come back with very similar comments around a finals game is different. Our technical, tactical approach has to be different. The game is about playing in the right area. The game is about playing with the ball more. So controlling position, controlling territory. I just feel the Crusaders on that day put a performance together that as I think that's one of the best performances in the 26, 27 years of Crusader rugby. It was simply outstanding. We can talk the technical now about the game, which would be absolutely fascinating. <laughs> However, you talked about understanding roles, and I'm sure that's one of the one of the key parts of the course. So tell us a bit more about what that means from a coach's and a leader's point of view. How do you help people understand their roles? Being really clear, being really precise, and being simple. And I guess that word simple is probably a bit, it's not always the right word to say. If you've got a training drill that you're running and the first thing you say is, this is a simple drill. It's simple to you because you know it, but it's not simple to the players. So it's making sure that we're really clear and really open, really precise in our delivery. And I think that's part of our course that stands out in my belief because one thing I've always said about our courses, it's not all technical and tactical because the people that come onto the course think they're going to get a gold nugget. They're going to get the next line out move, the next scrum move. It's not that. It's about your people. It's understanding your people. It's getting the best out of your people. And the one thing the Crusaders do very well is care. They care for each other. They care for each other in our office. We care for our supporters. We care for our staff. We care for our players. We care for our families. That's where it's, that's where these courses are totally different. Yeah, it's really, we call it, it's the Crusaders Coaching Leadership Program. So it's really about developing your own leadership as a coach more than getting, as Grant says, a set of tactical plays. I want to make a point on that word simple, which is that simple doesn't mean easy and simple doesn't mean not powerful, right? Simple means I can take this one thing and apply it and it might take a whole lot of skill to apply but, I, but it doesn't take a whole lot of complexity to apply. And it could be just as powerful as a complex move, if not more, because it is something that I can just be focused on delivering this one thing. I'm interested in the word care now, because it's very difficult to be genuinely caring all the time. Or maybe it isn't difficult. It should be easy for us. But my sense is that in a very busy day, a coach has lots and lots of stakeholders to care about and they can't care about every single one. So I'm not necessarily looking for shortcuts, but there must be ways that somebody who's a caring person is able to express that effectively to as many people as possible in the shortest amount of time without, without giving, not giving away, but without seeming, I can't think if it's unauthentic or non-authentic or not authentic. Look, Dan, this is where I think the Crusaders and most importantly, Scott Robinson, the head coach, Razor, his ability to care for his people, his ability to care for his coaches, families, his supporters, the people in the office, he's got a special knack. And I've known Razor a long time. I've been in the office here now six years and I see him every day. He's never wavered once. In any of those five days a week or six days a week that I see him, 
he is always the same. He's always showing the empathy towards the people he's with. And he generally cares for people. And I think that is shown in the players. It's then it's bred amongst the team. It just grows. And I still think that's some of the intangible stuff that we have that is very hard to replace in other environments. Yeah, I'd add to that. One of, our, one of the core tenets of the program is person first, player second. And Grant, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to, I'm going to toss the ball back to you because I know you've got a, a great story about this. But the ways in which when we see the person first and the player second as a coach, what that offers in terms of the ability to understand what a player might need in order to perform at their best and in terms of the ability to to know if something's not going quite right, is it because this person doesn't have the skill, isn't putting in the work, is having trouble at home, whatever it may be, that comes from seeing the person before the player. And in order to do that, you have to care. And if I, gosh, can I say something like maybe controversial? If you find that really hard, maybe this isn't the gig for you. Like, I don't, you have to genuinely care. And when you do genuinely care, then you're willing to put in that time because you get that that's what, that's at the foundation of everything. Yeah. To follow on with that, Kyla, and we've spoken about this before as the young lad that I coached in a team a few years ago and I presented him a game plan in written so that he could read it. I then presented it on a screen as well. We then went through it. So we had the opportunity to touch and feel and show him through it. But but just keeping this the story very short, he struggled. He was a 19-year-old kid. He lived up in the North Island. He worked in the forestry. He got up at three in the morning to be in the forest forestry by five. He finished his day at five. He'd done his 12 hours. He was another two hours to get back home. And he got free diesel in his truck every week. And that made his week. He didn't have to pay for diesel, but around the rugby side of it, what I found out after just getting working with him closer and closer within a space of probably 36 hours to 48 hours, I found out he couldn't read or write. Now, if I didn't actually show some empathy towards that young man, he would have got lost. He would have got lost from us. He would have got lost from his teammates and he would have been pushed to one side. And that's not what coaching's about. That's not what that's not as not being a father as a parent as well you've got to care for your athletes you've got to care for your workers understand them know them help them and that's where that care is yeah it's just so important you're listening to a rugby coach weekly podcast this is part of the rugbycoachweekly.net website if you click on the rugbycoachweekly.net link, you will find out more about this podcast, but also find access to over 3,000 pieces of content covering drills, activities, games, coaching advice, and lots more to help you and your team with your rugby and your rugby coaching. So why not pop over to rugbycoachweekly.net to find out more and access all this amazing content. In the meantime, back to the podcast. Some coaches will look in on care and they'll be scared in a game which is very aggressive and physical. You can't take a backward step on the pitch that you're almost going against that moment when you've got to try and dominate your opposite number that actually you may be being sound like you're being too soft. So on the pitch, 
in training, you're trying to get somebody to perform at a higher standard. You're not going to say, oh, I'm really sorry you didn't do that very well. How's your home life? It's obviously not going to be the moment, but that is going to be, some coaches are going to struggle with that. They're not necessarily going to be able to switch effectively from the moment where they have to maybe be a bit more enthusiastic in a hard way as opposed to be caring and thoughtful in another way. Yeah, I guess, sorry, Kyle, I'd probably challenge you on that actually, Dan, because I challenge you that around, now, if you're showing care to that young man or young lady and, and you're, you're providing them everything that they can, they then know that you have the full confidence in them. And once some a young person or a middle-aged person, whoever it may be, we, we all want to be looked after. We all want the accolades. It's, that's human nature. However, if we show that care and we show that ability that we trust them, that light switch will go on the field and they will have that internal fight because that's why we've picked them. They're good enough to be there. We've picked them because they have that skill set. We just need to show them that little bit more care to show we trust them. You go out there and be your best, the best version of you that you can. I could not agree with you more, Grant. I'm loving it. Look, I spend a lot of my days coaching senior leaders and executives and organizations to develop courage and empathy as core competencies. These are skills that are absolutely teachable, measurable, and observable. And what we know is that this idea that care is soft and winning takes aggression, which is not soft, it's actually a little bit of a myth right? The idea that if once we care, we're being soft and we're and it and means we're not pushing players as hard. It's a little bit of a myth. Actually, when players know that we care for them, as Grant just said, when they know that we've got their back 100%, when we know, in fact, that we're going to demand more of them because we believe in them and know they're capable of it, and we're willing to put in the whatever they, the environment that they need so that they can perform at their very best, they're going to perform better. And they're going to be able to sustain it over time because maybe like a horse can sprint faster when I whip it really hard the one time, but it's not going to be able to do that over years and years because I'm just going to destroy it, right? So being able to perform at that high level, we can demand more when we care more deeply and people will dig deeper for it because they care more. As we see with the Crusaders over and over again, the whole premise, the strap line of the Crusaders is for each other. And they dig deeper for each other because they have that care. That doesn't, that's not at odds in any way with being aggressive and winning. One of the problems that some businesses find when they take on rugby players who've left playing rugby is that this rugby player has had so much level of support and care in their rugby environment. They can't actually operate for themselves. They have to keep going back to the manager and saying how do I sort this out and the manager because they maybe not be in a rugby environment but they may be in a job where they just don't have the time can't show that care so where does the balance go that you're not giving them such a soft landing that they don't actually think for themselves because there is a danger that if you've got your someone's back all the time they can make as many mistakes as they want because somebody will say next time you need to think about, oh yes I've got that I've got that but thank you very much. You've picked me up. I know that I'm going to the extreme here and I'm yeah. hoping that you're going to say, well, actually, this is how we finesse that. Actually, Dan. <laughs> oh, no. This is, this, is, this is how we finesse that. So uh, first of all, I will say I have not been in the particular context of having hired a rugby player and 
found them to be incapable of performing in an organizational environment mm. because they were given too much care on the rugby field. So I'm not familiar with that specific scenario that you've laid mm. out. What I will say is once again, the scenario you've described represents potentially a myth around when we talk about care, what we're talking about. Care is not making decisions for other people. It's not doing things for other people. It's not always giving a soft landing, letting people get away with bad behavior, forgiving people everything, not calling people out when they need to be called out. That is not what we are talking about. We talk about care. And again, this is a really, this it's a widespread myth. It's not unusual that you'd be asking this question. We've been taught, so many of us have been taught to think that care is a soft thing and it's touchy feeling. It's us standing around holding hands and singing Kumbaya and everything's okay. Don't worry because I understand where you're coming from. And that is not in any way what we're talking about. When we talk about care, what we're talking about is us seeing the person for who they are, being honest with ourselves and with them about what we can and can't do for them, being honest about what we need and don't need from them, and then providing, when I say providing support, I don't mean doing things for them. Let's say, for example, we'll take Grant's story as an example, right? So here's a player, hard out player, Hard out lad sounds like I, I never met him, but anyone's just getting up at three in the morning and going to forestry. This is a hard case kind of guy. And the care that Grant showed is not, oh, that's okay. You don't have to play as hard because you're tired. It's not, oh, that's okay. I'm not going to hold you to as much account. The care that Grant's talking about is going, actually, I see that something's not quite working in the way I'm trying to connect with you. What is it? What is it? What is it? Oh, shit. It's the reading and writing. Let me offer this in a different way. I'm still going to hold you to as much account as I hold everybody else, but I'm not going to hold you to account for not knowing how to do something that you don't know how to do, right? There's a saying that everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its entire life believing that it is stupid. When we talk about care, what we're talking about is going, let's see the fish for fish and let's see the tree climbers for tree climbers and let's expect swimming from the fish and let's expect tree climbing from the tree climbers and then we'll build our team because as coaches what we have to understand is do what what do i need in this position do i need a fish or do i need a tree climber i need a fish i'm going to put a fish in there and then i'm going to give that fish what it needs to swim its fastest every single time consistently over time so it's not it's just a it's just a myth that care means you get to get away with bad behavior or you get to make a million mistakes and you never get called out on it that's not what we're talking about I just want to delve into that a little bit more because you are today, you've been on the field with players and living this leadership care pretty much probably six, seven hours of today. Now, there must be players who find this sort of thing potentially, and I'm sure there are ways around it, intrusive because you are delving into things which are for them are areas where they're obviously sensitive to it. And my sense is that, and I'm sure I'm certainly guilty of it myself, that as soon as you start to delve into those, you become defensive. So how do you get around that without making the player feel uncomfortable, first of all? And as soon as they start to become defensive, get them away from that and help them get back on to understanding where you're coming from. I guess for me, this week, Dan, is first week of training for us here with the Hino Red Dolphins. And one thing, it's a challenge, I've got to learn another language. So speaking English, 80% of them, the boys don't speak English. So we're fortunate I have a translator 
I still try and use my broken Japanese to convey it across. I guess what I try and do, and I'll focus on this week, is be really vulnerable myself. I've owned up. I've owned up one, first of all, by cutting clips, putting it through a quick time player, putting it on an app, and actually speaking in Japanese. So I've made myself really vulnerable. I've then, the next day, I've said to the players, hey, how did you find last night? Did anyone understand it? Japanese, foreigners, did you, anyone understand? And all the Japanese boys, takes a while, but then they started laughing. So we, I started to feel that, right, I'm, I'm now vulnerable to them. You're now seeing that I care. I think it was the second day. And we're... We went a little bit hard on the first day. So again, I put my hand up and said, boys, that's my fault. I apologize. I've actually pushed that training a little bit harder than what we re really wanted. And I reckon by today, which is Friday, so we, uh, we've had, that was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was a weights day, Thursday's a day off. So today was the third day on the grass. Tomorrow will be the fourth and the last for the week. I feel that I've shown to the boys a little bit of this vulnerability to show them that I haven't quite got things to apologize. I own up for it, but I'm also showing to you that I care for you by not overdoing things. The reason I say that is we're introducing so much new skill set to them. And for them to learn, we've just got to take little steps. And the little steps, we've got to show it back in video and we've got to show them, this is what you're doing. This is what we can be doing better. And, and I guess one other thing, one, one of the boys asked me today was, this is more tactical and you'll understand this, Dan, is, two players going for the same hole. So they're both running for the same space. And it was like, and I understood what they were saying, but they were more looking at the ways of the move, how it wouldn't work, as opposed to how this can work. So it was trying to change their mindset. It's that growth mindset again. They're thinking, oh, they're looking at ways, oh, this is not going to work because two players are going for the same space. Now, hang on a minute. If the space is big enough, why can't two players go through there? So let's try and change that that positive mindset, that po positive growth thinking, which again, gets them to understand that we care, your ideas are great, I'm listening to you, I understand you, go ahead and do it. Do all the players react positively to that? In my, in my experience, I've had players who've suddenly said, can you stop asking the questions and just absolutely tell me what I want need to do here? Because that's just the person I am. Yeah, I, what I try and do there is, yeah, there's a little bit of talking at the start, but I will say we're going to do the same drill tomorrow. It'll be less talking and more minutes, more action, more touches the ball, et cetera, et cetera. So again, it's that vulnerability, isn't it? It's saying, yep, yeah, I am talking more, but tomorrow I'm going to allow you to get more touches. Uh, Kyla, you talked a little bit about accountability, and I wanted to delve into that because there is, we need to get to understand these are potentially platitudes. I've got to be more accountable. I've got to take ownership of what I'm doing. Grant's been taking ownership of potentially the mistakes that he's made and he's been vulnerable through that. What does that mean and how can that be effective without just ticking a box and saying, I've ticked the box of I've been accountable and I've owned my mistakes? Yeah, I'm so glad you're asking these questions because really what I'm hearing you ask is when we use this word, what does it, what does it actually mean? And often we use words without really having agreement on what they actually mean. And so if I could back up for just a second, you talked about us caring and that some people may find it intrusive. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you my, my secret story of how my family is or whatever. And, uh, and the word that I want to touch on first is the word that Grant used, which is vulnerability. And again, one of the myths that we carry that vulnerability is intimacy. 
Vulnerability is disclosure. Vulnerability is me telling you my deepest, darkest secrets, which doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Vulnerability can just be actually taking accountability as an act of vulnerability. Because taking account, what accountability really means is us owning our mistakes, owning what we've done, what we could have done, owning what is within our power, what was within our power, the choices that we made, the opinions that we held, the, I, the beliefs that we carried, and being willing to look at honestly at what worked and what didn't and what we think was a good idea and what wasn't. And that is an, an act of vulnerability because in order for Grant to get up there and say, hey, I made this call of here's how we're going to run it this week. And I don't think that was the best call. It's an act of saying, I'm actually a flawed human being. Surprise, surprise, every single one of us, like my favorite definition of humans is we are all just imperfect meat sacks stumbling through life. <laughs> and so this idea that somehow as coaches, we're expected to be perfect and never get it wrong. Actually, what it does is it sends a message to players that you're not allowed to get it wrong. And the better you get, the less you are allowed to get it wrong. The higher you go up in the hierarchy, the less your ability to get it wrong. And what that does, you want to talk about making people defensive, that makes people super defensive because anytime they make a mistake, they're going, oh man, I wasn't supposed to get anything wrong and I've made a mistake. I better hide it. I better blame it on somebody else. I better pretend like it wasn't my, there's a beautiful clip at the last world cup, all blacks, obviously going in, obviously trying to win the whole thing. Didn't go very well for us. We lost in the semi and in between the semi and the playoff game for third and fourth place, there was a press and Steve Hansen, the then Allbacks coach talked about vulnerability. And he was talking about in the context of what's the kind of conversation that you have after losing in the semi in order to get your headspace back to go and play properly in the playoff game. And think about that. These are, this is, this is the pinnacle of these guys' career, right? They've just spent four years building up to it. For most of these guys, it's going to be their one only crack at a World Cup final. Their dreams just been ripped away from them. And now they get me, my dream gets ripped away from me like that. I want to go home and curl up on a couch and watch Netflix and eat ice cream and maybe have a cry. And these guys, they don't get to do that. Right? They have to go back out and play this playoff game. And, and so he was talking about like, how do you get your head right to go and play the playoff game without going in there? Just being like, ah, who cares? Doesn't matter. Best I get is third place. It's not what I wanted anyway. And what he talked about was that you have to get vulnerable. You have to be able to deal with the actual emotions following that loss in order to work through it, to put it behind you. So you can then focus on what's ahead of you. And what he said was it takes a lot to be vulnerable because how someone reacts to your vulnerability is either going to shut you down or allow us allow you to do it, give you permission to do it again. And so that thing of being able to go, actually, when Grant shows up and he says, look, I made this mistake, what he's actually doing is he's saying to the players, when you make a mistake, this is the behavior I expect from you. I expect you to go, you know what? We, I turned away from going for that hole because I thought it was only for one person, but now I see that it could have been for two. And I don't need to be defensive about that because this is a place where it's okay to go. I need to own up to that and maybe learn from it. It seems like that takes time to convince yourself of it and then convince, if that's the right word, the players around you. Now, obviously, you can't put a time scale on these things. And you said very early on that coaches can't come along to courses and expect to have golden nuggets, which are just going to be able to be put in place. 
I think the scary thing is that you're looking at something like the Crusaders, and we're talking 26 years here, and we're talking about Razor developing themes, and I'm, I, I'm going to ask that a bit about in a moment, over a certain amount of time. Can you give some of the coaches listening in a little bit of, not necessarily hope, but to see what's ahead, because this is going to be a bumpy journey to start to develop some of these systems and just to give yourself a chance to be confident, to make yourself vulnerable. And I'm just going to rattle on a little bit more. Grant's, what Grant did there in his preseason, I just wonder how easy that would have been 10 years ago for you because uh it would have been quite hard to think I'm a, if you were a junior coach, I'm going to put my hand up to three or four mistakes because some junior coach is going to say, I'm scared here. I've just lost a team. Yeah, I, look, I'm actually going through that situation at the moment, Dan, just around one of the roles that we have here, one of the senior roles within our coaching group. And I've just got to be careful. I don't say too much about it. But however, we have a very inexperienced coach who's in his first year as a head in his particular field within our coaching group. And he's very closed mind around to his, his structure. So he's got a plan for our two four-week blocks that we have in the moment with this being week one. And... I can see he's young, he's youthful, he's got a plan, and his plan is this. And I feel that after you've been coaching, after you've been in leadership roles in business, when you've been in those different environments, your mind and your growth and your mindset is bigger. You start to see there is another way to skin. I can see, yes, that will work. Whereas when you're such a young coach, it's you've got a plan, that's it, where you're going to go. Someone throws something into it and you go, oh my gosh, no, you've just blown my whole plan. I can't do this. So I think that comes with experience. That comes with just experience in the role, runs on the board. You start to get that ability to adapt, to change, to go, yes, I can change that. Yes, I can fit that in. It's not going to affect anything because you've been there, you've done that, and you're confident. I think that's probably where this person's probably feeling that, no, I've got to do such a great job. This is the plan. It's been signed off. Away we go. However, I guess I've come in and said, well, can we look at this plan another way? Have you thought about this? And that's where we're at a little bit of a crossroads at the moment and we still haven't got it right. Yeah, I would say on that time front, of course, it takes time, right? Building culture, building courage, building vulnerability, building trust dynamics like that, that 100% takes time. But so, do, so does building the technical and the tactical skills. And we don't say we're not going to play rugby because the kids started, they were terrible and they just all just followed the ball around in a big clump. And it was a, it was, they were four years old and it was a complete disaster. So why should we bother playing? We've chosen to play a, a difficult sport. Right. And so this is part of the investment in that sport is cultivating these skills. They say in order to be good at anything, you have to be willing to be sucky at it first. And, and really with this kind of with the culture building skills, when it's new to people, it is challenging when it's new to people. In my experience, when I coach people on, on the skills of courage, what I find is that people will go through, let's say they go through a training on it and then they'll come out the far and they'll be like, awesome. Okay. I'm going to have that courageous conversation. And they go back out into the real world and the dream meets the reality. And maybe they have that conversation. And it doesn't go at all as planned. And a week or two later, they're like, oh, I did the thing that I do all the time. And I forgot to do the other thing that I was planning to do. That was the courage thing. And oh, darn it. And then maybe next time it's a week instead of two weeks. And maybe the following time it's four days later. And 
All we're trying to do is just narrow that gap to where we can ultimately get to the point where we're showing up this way in real time, where I'm actually going for the hole and I go, oh, whoops, wrong thing. And I can immediately reset and go around the other way. But that takes us moving from being really not great at something to getting good at it and then to getting so good at it that we've built in the visceral muscle memory. Same visceral muscle memory that we want our players to have when they play the game. We built in the visceral muscle memory of our kind of emotional response and our cultural response as well. One thing I wanted to go back on a little bit I would touch on is the fact that the Crusaders use themes. And Scott Robinson, Razor Robinson, has introduced themes. Now, that takes some courage to introduce that in the first place, because you can have a theme and it could turn out that you are, you end up sixth or seventh in the table. And someone says, but why on earth did you use this theme? So maybe you could just quick, a theme is a fantastic area, which it takes, take a podcast in itself. Just touch on what is meant by using themes and what happens if it's not, well, when I say it's not working, you're not achieving the position in the table that you think you should be achieving. This is where Scott Robinson is very good, is around his mindset to the players and using theming his season, using a lot of videos, a lot of pictures, a lot of movies for players to understand his theme on how the team can achieve their results year end. So if we look at when he first came in with Canterbury, he used various themes there as, as an MPC coach. When he came in with, with the Crusaders in 2017, the Crusaders hadn't won the super title for eight years. Uh, Muhammad Ali hadn't won the heavyweight for eight years. He obviously had to go into Africa in the rumble of the jungle. Crusaders ended up having to go to Johannesburg, Alice Park to play the Lions. It was eight years. The theming was perfect and the result was a Crusader win. The next year, Crusaders were going for two in a row. So... Razor and the Crusaders had linked very closely with the Melbourne Storm, who are the NRL and, and Australia Rugby League. They were going for two in a row. So they started to theme around their journey. We look at year three, Crusaders were going for three titles in a row. Usain Bolt, the 100-meter sprinter, 200-meter runner, he was going for three gold medals. So looked at his story, and then Crusaders put their story around what he had tried to achieve and his time to get his, to become successful, to achieve his gold. And... Crusaders put a lot of emphasis around him, but around gold. And gold is the is the money, or whatever you how, how I should say it, is what Kings used to use years and years ago. Gold was everything. So for Usain, gold was everything. For the Crusaders, they were looking as that as well. So th- there was some similar similarities between what the theming was, and it was always linked to something that was very close to what the Crusaders were achieving. And it's quite funny now, Dan, I think most teams around New Zealand, probably most teams around the world, are pretty much all theming. They'll be basing their season on on their theme, on how they want to achieve their results. It's like the themes that they've, that Razor and the crew have implemented, as you say, Grant, so aligned to the actual situation they find them in, in such a way that the team can really see themselves reflected in that theme. Like it, these themes are not just randomly chosen by throwing a dart at a board. These are have deep meaning. I want to come back to your question, Dan, about it's dangerous to do this because what if it doesn't work? And for me, I hear that question. And that comes back to, again, our conversation about vulnerability and our conversation about courage. So when we talk about definitions, the definition of vulnerability is risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure. And so when you think about the game of rugby, every single time you go out to play rugby, you are taking a risk that you lose. 
there is uncertainty. You don't know. You're going to show up at your very best, but guess what? The other team is going to show up at their very best as well. And so every time you go out there, you're taking a risk. I caught up with Razor at the end of the regular season, This just this season just ended, just before heading into the playoffs. And I, I'm like, now I'm super invested, right? I, like I said, I'm not a rugby expert, but now I'm super invested. Of course, I'm really, I really want the Crusaders to win. And I got up with him and I said, it's scary, isn't it? Isn't it scary that now you're going out there and the target on your back is so big and every high expectations, but finishing the season in second place. And, and he looked at me and he goes, it's leadership. And I was like, of course it is. Of course it is, right? Anything we do, anything we dare, has risk attached to it. If we want to become great coaches, we have to be willing to risk. We have to put a stake in the ground and say, this is what we're aiming for. You talked before about, do we, are we getting too soft if we care about people? I'm going to care about you. I'm going to say, this is what we're aiming for. Nothing short of the moon. That's where we're heading together. Is that risky? It's possible we might not hit it. Yeah, it's possible we might not hit it. That's leadership. That's what we're going to, that's the risk we're going to take. We've rattled through. The, the time's just flown away and uh, we have loads more questions. I just want you just to, in a sense, it's a, it's a question which has almost answered itself over the last 40 minutes or so, because you've talked so much about leadership and the sense of what you're going to get from the course. So can you just give us a quick insight into what coaches might expect when and if they can get on the course? Because it's, there's, it's quite hard, lots of interest. But let us say you get onto the course, what can you expect to see, do, feel, yeah, awesome. So, so the course, it's a two-week program and it's a blend of what we call synchronous and asynchronous. So what that means is it's a two-week program. A lot of the material is video, written content, workbooks for you to work through, playbooks for you to develop for yourself. And you can do those. We release modules at specific times so that you travel through the experience together with the other folks on the program, which means that you can be debriefing with the other coaches on the program. It means that when we release a module, everyone's going to consume it at roughly the same time. And then we can talk about it on the hub and you can do your exercises and bounce ideas around and sanity check things. But it also means because it's video and written content, it means that you can do it when you wake up in the UK and Grant can do it when he wakes up in Japan. And I can do it when I wake up in New Zealand. I don't have to be up at two in the morning to be on the live call. And then we do have a couple of live sessions throughout those two weeks where you do get, we're not going to say necessarily necessarily who it's going to be, but you might get a live session with Razor where it's an ask me anything session where for an hour we can go on there and you can just ask him whatever you want and he'll take those questions for an hour. So absolutely those are built in. It covers four really clear kind of pillars of the Crusaders approach, things like being player led, things like person first, player second, coaches, servant leader, a bunch of these concepts that we've talked about. You will walk away with, with artifacts, playbooks that you can use for yourself, for your team, for individual players. So you will come away with very practical material that you can apply immediately in your context. And I think most excitingly, is you'll connect with a whole bunch of coaches around the world who are really trying to I'll come back to that word elevate who are really trying to elevate their own leadership as coaches to be able to to get more out of their players and to connect more with their players and to achieve more together as teams so we're pretty excited about it and can't wait to offer it grant do you want to add to that it's pretty pretty comprehensive 
Oh no, no, Kyla's outstanding and what she's presented. And that's why the Crusaders have partnered with Kyla, with Kyla and her companies because of that professionalism. And we're excited. There's obviously going to be a tactical part added in there as well. So that'll look after the coaches who are looking for that little bit extra. But it is, it is great that once coaches jump on this course, they start to understand more about coaching. They start to understand more about leader leading. They start to understand more about understanding their players, female or males. Males are arrogant. We think we know it all. Tell an 18-year-old kid what to do, he knows it all. Now you get a young female at 18, they lap it up. They want to learn. They want to understand. So again, knowing you, knowing what's in front of you, and this is what this leadership course will do. It's, I think it's next level. It's quite outstanding. Yeah, I think it sounds very exciting. And I think one of the key things is that a lot of the terms that you're using, we've probably heard about before, but we don't necessarily understand what they mean, what the language means to each of us. And there's a chance for the coaches to actually start to understand how they can use it meaningfully in their environments. And that's the key to that. And you can say that you're player led, but actually be completely different or trying to do something which is not really player led at all it's probably might even be too far the other way where the players have no direction because they're supposed to be player led and you say it's up to you but that's that's part of the exciting excitement which i think the course is going to generate around that understanding if they want people want to find out more i think you go to crusaderscoaching.com to find out more I'll put links in to the blurb. And I want to say thank you very much because I've had a very enjoyable, I'm going to be vulnerable now. And I'm going to say this is our second attempt at this. First attempt, my mistake in terms of sitting in the wrong place because my internet didn't work very well. We had a very interesting talk last time. and I think we covered about 50% of what we covered last time this time, but in a slightly different way. First of all, thank you very much, both of you, for your time and sharing so much to, to the audience. Dan, thank you so much for having us. I enjoyed this conversation just as much second time around. So looking <laughs> forward to talking again at some point in the future. It's only going to get better from here. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Look, mate, you've done outstanding work with your Rugby Coach Weekly, and I've been an avid follower for a number of years. And it's actually really good to meet you and be a part of this podcast. So first and foremost, thank you very much, mate. And it's been a pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed that both times equally. And uh, I've learned a lot and I've I hopefully have asked questions, asked questions which have challenged, which I think they have. You smiled sometimes as well, which is always, is always a good, is always a good thing, yeah. I think. So if people want to find out more about this podcast, go over to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button. And if you want to find out more about Rugby Coach Weekly in general, go to rugbycoachweekly.net and to see all about the the skills and drills and tactics and technical aspects that are available. Once again, thank you very much both for coming along. Thank you, Dan. So much, Dan. And we'll catch up with everybody very soon. Thanks for listening to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.